Well, good morning. morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for being here to join with us as we worship and praise our risen Savior. If you're a guest with us here this morning, my name is Trevor. I'm pastor here at Round Oak, and I'm personally glad that you're here to worship with us. But again, I just want to say this, and we're going to get started though, but isn't it a great day to worship the Lord? It's it's beautiful. We can see the sun starting to start to peak out a little bit. We got a lot of rain apparently the other night, and in my backyard was like a, a pond, except for it wasn't a good pond because there were no fish that I know of in there. And every time my dogs went outside, they, they there was there was puppy paws all over the kitchen and the living room and then the couch because they tracked everything back in. But it worked out though. But again, the the rain is good for it. It nourishes the ground and. There's lots of different things. We can worship God through everything. If you don't like the storms, if you don't like the rain, it's still good. It's the same with anything that we may or may not like. The trials that come our way should be drawing us and bringing us closer to God. So we're going to think about that as we kind of go throughout the rest of today and tomorrow and the next day as well. But let's go ahead and continue on the worship that we've been doing here this morning. And let's dive right into the Word of God And let's get into this. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, what was read just a few minutes ago, we're going to be looking at the book of John. We're going to continue that study. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 15 of chapter 7. And as we do kind of get started here, I want to remind you of where we were, what we've been looking at. Because last week we saw Jesus and his brothers have have some words, right? They were were kind of getting at it there for a minute, and, and we kind of looked at that. And Jesus told them that they don't know anything of his timing. Remember that? He, he, we, we saw that Jesus like, hey, you don't understand. All you care about is, is what you want when you want it. And, and you know nothing of, of our, or my, however you want to put it, divine timing. So we looked at no matter how much they wanted something, they wanted to make Jesus do something. No matter how much they, they poked and they prodded, it, it wouldn't amount to anything. Because Jesus isn't skewed, he isn't he isn't moved by outside sources. Because we, we don't we let people do that to us all the time. You know, we'll let people dictate our lives. Be honest with you. Don't have to raise your hand, but be honest with yourselves. How many times have you let others, in like don't take this the wrong way, but like stupid things, right, steal your joy too? Let things live, say, rent free in your head. Yeah, it's just you can't get it out. You let things dictate your life from the outside, and that's a problem. I mean, it is. So we let we let it we let it control ourselves. You know, let that control ourselves, and it's not good. But again, Jesus was showing us here that his divine his divine timeline is perfect. That he won't let others. We should take that as an example. He won't let others dictate what he's going to do, what the plan is. But again, Jesus works on his own line. Again, I think we can relate to that from the other side as well. We've all been there, essentially where we're at odds with God's timeline. We think that our time should be what matters. That we should be the ones who dictate the things that are going on. And God simply says, no. That's not how this works. But as we look at that, I think we can, we can relate to that a little bit. But what we talked about again last week with his brothers, it wasn't just the timing issue. 
it was also, see, it compounds with certain things too. If we get one part wrong, we tend to get the next part wrong and, and it keeps going. We, that's why we must cut it down. Again, that's the Holy Spirit bringing us back into alignment. But the problem is here, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. The, the, or the Jesus' brothers, it wasn't just the timing issue, is that they didn't have belief either. So now, <clears throat> excuse me, now they had the mocking and the making fun of on top of everything else. So again, we were all, most of us were here last week. To make a long story short, that's where we are now. And it brings us to what we're going to look at today. Because again, when we look at Jesus and his timing, it is perfect. He knows everything. He knows all things because he is God, right? Okay, we all know that. That's not a surprise, but we should always be thinking about it and remembering things a little bit different than what we're used to because we like to think certain things, right? We like to think that Jesus didn't do or did do certain things because he was hoping for something or that he knew that this might happen. And what we're going to talk about here in just a minute, he actually knows what does and would happen in all circumstances. So his timing, no matter what any of us think, is way better than ours. So if you're going through something this morning, if you're really going through it, right? You're having a, you almost didn't even come because you're like, I don't even care, man. I'm, I'm terrible morning, terrible Saturday, whatever, right? Know that God is with you and that, and that his timing's perfect. It may not seem like it. You'd be like, no, that, mm -mm, that no. Because if this was God's timing, I, I'm, I'm out, right? We've, we've had those situations too. Know that no matter what's happening, that he is in control. It's for your benefit, your good, but this is the best part. It's for his glory that we get to go through these things. And it should be drawing you closer to him so next time something happens, and it will, you'll know to look to him first. You'll know that you can trust him, that he's walking beside you carrying you and yes even dragging you for your good just always remember that but again that brings us to where we are today let's get started with this if you have your bibles i hope you found it we're going to be in chapter 7 looking at verse 10 starting i'll read just the verses that we're going over here starting with verse 10 again it says this after his brothers had gone up to the festival then he also went up not openly but secretively so verse 10, so his brothers had left, right? They went up to the festival. They're going up there, going to do their thing. They're going to go up there. They're going to party, get down with it, and do all that fun stuff, right? So Jesus told them just a little bit ago that I'm not going to go, but not yet. So this is what happened. Jesus delayed his departure because, again, what we just talked about, what we looked at last time, now we're bringing it up again to this, to, uh, today, is that it was God's timing. It was Jesus' timing here for what was going to happen. It was his plan. It was his plan to go, but at a certain time. It was his plan to go up to the festival, to go up to Jerusalem. But it wasn't for the reason that most people would think. It wasn't for the reason that most people then, at that time, or even today, thought that he was going to go. Because again, this was, an, this was not an overly public trip. Because he was heading there, uh, for a reason, but he wanted the trip to be fairly casual. He didn't want much people knowing about it. That's why it says he went there secretively. Because again, he wasn't going to make this big fa uh, fanfare about it. Because as we know, Jesus being God, what we just talked about a second ago, that he knew what would happen. 
If he was going to make this big thing and listen to his brothers, oh, Simon, uh, Simon, Jude, and James, and all, you know, you're you're right. I should go up there and make this big hoopla. So he would have been, and everybody would have known about it because it would have been a hoopla because everybody's already talking about Jesus. On the road up there before he got to where he was going with all the public crowd, the Jews, the Jewish leader probably would have taken him off the road, out into the, the desert, beat him, and killed him there because then they wouldn't have to face the backlash from all the people who was his adoring fans. It would have went downhill very quickly. Jesus knew this. He's like, I'm not, that's not biblical. That's a Trevorism, right? Make sure we're on the same page here. But Jesus knew that something like that was probably going to happen. If you do lots of looking and research, that's what happened. They didn't like to do stuff in public settings because they were afraid of backlash. So they were probably going to get him on the road. But again, Jesus knew these things. That's why he waited. I mean, it's really not that big of a, of a stretch. It's not that complex of a concept here to understand that he's like, no, I'm going to go when I want to go because I know what tomorrow holds. I know how the future works. But again, he went quietly. And the main point is this. Something that we can always look at, something that we can take away from that is that that this whole thing is not about what Jesus' brothers wanted. It's not about today. It's not about what we want at all. It, and no matter how much you want it to be about yourself, it, it's just not. But it's about Jesus. Everything is. It is about His timing and His will. Plain and simple. And I'll say this, you can either bow to that you could submit to Jesus and His will and His plan, His authority, or you can fight against it. You will. I guarantee you that is a losing battle every time. And just for full transparency, if you think that you are winning that fight, if you want to push back against what God and His Word has to say, all 66 books of that by the way, if you want to push back against that and not bow down and not submit to what the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings says, and you think that you're winning that fight, I will simply say this. Romans 1 is coming true in your very life. Where it says that we have been given over to the desires of our hearts. Oh, I forgot a word. The sinful desires of our hearts. If we think we're winning, we have been given over. And I'm going to tell you this right now, very bluntly, you do not want to be there. You don't. We push back against God so much, He will finally, yes, He will say, fine. Have at it. You don't want this? You don't want me? Fine. You don't want to be there. He will have given us over to the sinful desires of our hearts. Terrible place. We can bow down to the Lord and Lord, Lord of Lords and this King of Kings, or you can just simply push back against Him. I didn't think it was that hard of a you know, choice, but maybe it is. But we're going to keep going on. Verse 11 through 13. Starting in verse 11 real quick, it says this, The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, Where is he? And there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowds. Some were saying, He's a good man. Others were saying, No, on the contrary, he is deceiving the people. Still, nobody was talking publicly about him 
for fear of the Jews. <clears throat> Excuse me. And again, we can see that Jesus was just right. As John records here, that the Jewish leaders were looking for him. People were looking for him. It was a big deal. They were waiting for this Jesus to show up. Whether it was for good things or bad things, you know, that's neither here nor there. Nonetheless, he knew people were looking for them. Which is why he did again what he did. And as we keep reading, we'll see that there was a lot of talk about Jesus. There was always something going on. There's a lot of times where we have, uh, especially John, don't record certain things. We skip ahead, which we talked about a couple, you know, before. But there was always a ton of things going on. Just because John didn't record it, for example, doesn't mean stuff wasn't happening. But again, we look at this. Verse 12 says, again, and there was a lot of murmuring about him. Some were saying that he is good. Others were saying, no, he's not, right? That's what was going on. And this is something I want to think about for a minute. I want us to really kind of get going on this one for a second. Because it's important, because it sounds a lot like today. Doesn't it sound like normal, everyday stuff? It does to me. We can see this in a lot of places because there's a, you know, there's talk of, talk of Jesus all the time, whether it's a real biblical Jesus or a fake Jesus. People use the name of Jesus a lot; they just do. There are positive comments, there are negative comments, but we say these things all the time. There are true things, there are false things. But this is what I want you to think about. This is the, the important spot. Because, I mean, we, we know that all that stuff was true, right? That there's always people talking about it. But this is what I want you to think about. What we say, and even how we say things have meanings, right? It, it, it just does. Great meaning. So, I want to give you an example. I'll give you two. Well, we can give you a whole bunch more, but we don't need to sit on this one all day. But here's one of two examples here. Some say that Jesus was a good man, right? A good teacher. Yet, there's a problem with that. Many say that he's not God. The same people that say Jesus was a good teacher, he was a good example. People do this today. People do it 2,000 years ago. Nothing's changed. But he was a good teacher. He was a good man. He was an example. He was a, a leader. But he wasn't God. Huh? How could you say that he was good but not be God? Because Jesus claimed to be God. So you're saying that he's a good teacher, a, a, an influence, a good influence, right? But he's a liar. Huh, that doesn't make any sense. That, hmm. How about that? See, you, do you see the trouble that we put ourselves into when we don't actually read what the Bible says? We start making ourselves look kind of ridiculous. And we mock Jesus by claiming that he was good, but also a liar when we don't read our Bibles correctly. Well, again, we won't spend too much time on this, but I have one more for you. This is a little bit more controversial. But I've never shied away from things like that. In the Quran, according to Islam, Jesus was a prophet. The same Jesus, right? They're talking about the same guy. And prophets are from God and truthful. Yet Jesus claimed 
who he was. Jesus claimed to be God. So, Jesus claimed to be the Lord of the Lord, the King of Kings. So either the Quran is completely wrong because they said that Jesus is a prophet and if Jesus said something else, that means Jesus is a liar. That means the Quran is corrupted already. Or it means that uh, the Islam is pointless because Christ is king. And it renders it useless. Either way, it's done. People don't follow it. It either lies or it's useless because it tells you to follow Jesus because Jesus said to follow him, that he is God, and it makes it useless. Do you see how this works? Do we see when we use logic and reason to actually think about things, we can just disprove so much and actually start to prove things very easily. But are we willing to stop and actually think about things? Think about the way that we use words, the way that we actually interact with certain things. But you know what the other problem is? Do we actually take time to actually read what this says? There is enough dust on so many of our Bibles that we can write damned on the front of them because we don't know. And I'm going to ask you one question real fast. How many of you have ever heard that comparison with Islam before? Is anybody? Maybe just a couple. Did you know that Jesus was mentioned in the Quran? How come we didn't make that connection before then? I mean, just think about it. We should want to know more. We should understand things. Because again, I'm going to say this. This isn't overly biblical, but it is very for us. In the West, that, that's America and, or Europe. You know what I'm talking about, right? We know Eastern countries, Western countries, third world countries, right? In the West, we tend to think that everybody in the world thinks like we do. And that's not right. We don't, no one else is going to think like us. We think that everybody else either does or should, or they're so stupid that they don't matter. That's how we think. We should know the truth to when someone brings up heresies, when someone brings up something that goes against what the Bible actually says, we can refute them. If someone brought up Islam with you, could you refute them? If someone brought up Mormonism with you, could you refute them? No? We should be able to. We really should be able to. We should be able to say these things. We should be able to know the truth enough to where when falsehoods come out, it glows to us. We're like, well, that's obviously false. And then let me show you why. We should be able to do those things. Not with everything. Not with everything. But I will say this, stuff that I don't know, I can call Wesley. For stuff Wesley doesn't know, he can call Johnny. Together as, you know, the church, huh, weird how that works, but together as the church, we can figure it all out. We can have answers for all these things. That, that, that's why we have many members, part of one body, for Jesus, right? I mean, that, that's why we're here. What we say is important. How we say it is important. What, our, what the actual truth is, is the most important. We need to know these things. Using actual logic and reason. And we start to see how 
things skewed things can become when we just go willy-nilly about stuff. Because I think something should happen regardless of what the Bible says. Because I think Jesus should go to the festival when I tell him to. What, what we're talking about right here. What the brothers have been telling Jesus to. Because we get off God's timeline and we start thinking about things for ourselves. We start getting to where, well, I don't care what God's Word says because this is culturally relevant. I don't care what God's Word says because I want what I want. And I'm not going to lie, we've all thought that. And if you don't think that you've thought that or think that, please stop lying to yourself. Because we have to be at the point to where we admit that we are sinners. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we're going to realize how sinful we are. And then the closer we get to Jesus and realize how sinful we are, the more we're going to worship Him because the more we're going to see how sinful we are. And it just keeps going. But, again, we start to see how skewed things can become. And I think that's because of this next statement where, where he says that some were saying that, no, he's deceiving others. Because we don't want to see it. Because what Jesus actually says, who Jesus actually is, what he really teaches, goes against what we want and what we think. All of it does. All of it does. Until he changes you, the Word of God is going to offend you. In part or in whole. It just will. So, what do we do? We push back. We argue. We try to change things. Because we make things, or at least try to make things about ourselves. Again, we use Christianese words. We say the name Jesus. But the, the words we say are often what? Hollow. Empty. Just shells of what they could be. <clears throat> but even all with all the murmuring, even these empty words, they were still afraid to talk about Jesus out loud. Because of what? The fear. Fear. Fear of what someone's going to think of them. Fear of what authorities, what leadership would actually think. Put this into maybe 2024 terms, right? Fear of what your bosses might think. What your family members might think. They were worried what the people who were kind of in charge were going to think. So even with all the meaninglessness, they still weren't sure what to do. They were scared to even talk about Jesus publicly. And I want to be clear on this. We're still in that mindset today. We're told to not talk about Jesus. We're told to sit down and shut up. We're told, like, well, you can't just force people to say to do certain things. Like, no one's forcing you to do anything. Did anybody force you to be here this morning? No one held a gun to your head and got you in the car? We should want to. We should also want to tell people about Jesus. Because if you don't love them, you're not going to tell them about Jesus. But if you do love them, you're going to. You're going to say something. You're going to tell them that they're sinful people. Plain and simple. 
if you try to tell them all day long that you should you love you need Jesus, but you're good the way you are, that's not love. That's you affirming them, trying to not make them upset with you. That's all it is. Plain and simple. See, we we have all these built-in defense mechanisms to where we can just say certain words and we get a get out of the situation so people don't get mad at us. That's one of them. Kind of like the whole judge not thing. That's a, that's just you saying that, you know, I, I, I want to keep my sin, so leave me alone. We have lots of little defense mechanisms that we built into these things so that we don't upset people, make them sad. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth, and if you get sad about it, that's on you. Because I can defend myself because it's of this. And you should do the exact same thing. If you stand on the Word of God, you don't have to stand on your opinion. Plain and simple. But we're still in that mindset today because they told us to sit down and shut up, and we do. So many of us just don't talk about it. And the ones who do, the people who do tend to talk about Jesus the most, they don't talk about the biblical Jesus. We hear of this fake, made-up, little pansy, whiny, little G God who can't do anything, who's considered meek and mild in a bad way. It's the one that, like, say, Oprah talks about. The little God inside of you and all this garbage. If she, sa- if she walked into the doors, could any of you refute what she says? We go back to that one. I hope so. We need to think about these things. Because, again, too many people, too many of us who want to follow Jesus have been told to sit down and shut up to not talk about Jesus than we did. Then the ones who started to talk don't talk about a biblical Jesus. They talk about this this weak, fake, made-up little G God that's culturally pleasing. So now when they hear about this Jesus, you know what they're hearing? They're hearing about some fake, made-up God who can't do nothing for you. Whoopee! That means nothing. And I'll say this, and I'm always going to say this, telling people about a fake God is way worse than saying nothing at all. So if you're doing that, Please stop. Stop. Plain and simple. But again, we'll get back on topic. You see, they were afraid to make a call for themselves because, again, they didn't want the religious leaders to know what they were thinking because they were scared. They were scared. So they come up with wishy-washy kind of stuff just to try to ride the fence until they can see the outcome. Because if they ended up disagreeing with what they said, if they ended up disagreeing with what the leadership said, doesn't matter what side of the, the, you know, the fence they fell on, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing for Jesus, they weren't sure yet, so they were out of the fence because if they would have disagreed with whatever the outcome was, they would have been excommunicated from religious life. Basically kicked out. They would have been like, no, you can't do this no more. You disagree with me and I'm the leader, so that's fine. You, you, you're done. So they wanted to see what was going to happen. That was it. Could you imagine that? That people are so wishy-washy that they won't take a stand for anything? Wait a second. Huh. That sounds overly familiar. At best, they were lukewarm. And we all know what Jesus says in Revelations about those who are lukewarm. Not a good thing. 
But let's keep going though. Verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 14 says this. When the festival was already half over, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man so learned since he has been he has never been trained? So again, again essentially, you know, the festival is about half over. And Jesus just said, you know, he finally decided, okay, now's the time. This is when it's going to happen. He knew what was going on, so he said this was it. He went up to the temple and he began to preach. And this is the thing I can't get over. I, I always think about this. I can't, I can't not think about it. But what would it have been like to sit under Jesus' teaching? I mean, that would have been some pretty intense stuff, right? I mean, the power, the authority. And that, that, to me, that's just, that, that's outrageous. I, could, I couldn't imagine that. You know, I started thinking about this one as I was going over this. You know, as, as we look at this, those who heard him then, I think, were thinking the same thing. Maybe more of a negative connotation because they're like, how? How can you do this? Because it was obviously something was different about Jesus. You know, because we read there in verse 15, it says, then the Jews were amazed and said, how is this man so learned since he hasn't been trained? Like, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. He, he starts teaching, and they're just like, well, ugh, they're flabbergasted. They just couldn't believe it. Because they didn't think that anyone could teach like that. They didn't think that someone could just go and have this kind of authority in their voice. Thinking about what it was like for them, you know, let's think about this for a second. Because again, you know one thing I like to do, and I know you all know this, but I like to put ourselves back in the place. Well, what, what was it actually like then? Not today, but the author's intent, right? So think about this one. All right, how many of you have a copy of God's Word? In any format, in any way. Uh, I'd say probably... All of us, if not most of us. Right? Here we go. How many of you have multiple copies? All right, this is just for my fun. How many of you have more than 10? All right. <laughs> there's, there's, hold on, 20? Probably, okay. <laughs> but that, that, was, that was just for me, though. But, um, <laughs> that would not have been the case. It wouldn't have been. There maybe, maybe would have been one copy that I would use to teach from. You wouldn't get to take it home. You wouldn't get to study it. To be fair, you wouldn't even get to look at it. You couldn't Xerox a copy because back then uh, shipping was slow and the ink was always running out. So you couldn't have a copy. And that's it. There would be one maybe. Now I want you to think about this. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. But I want you to think about this. How privileged are each and every one of us that we can take this. I mean, I want you to, I have this one that I have just right here. I, I have this little box thingy that's connected to the World Wide Web and I can get it Bible on that. I have a, a phone right there that can. My wife has a phone. I, how many of you have? How much access do we have? 
I mean, we are so privileged to have all these, these, these copies available in different versions, in different languages, all this stuff. Not just sections of it, not just verses, not fragments, but many, most of us, as we just saw, have numerous copies of the Word of God. That, that's crazy. But again, that's one of the reasons why they were thinking this. Because they didn't. They didn't. They just didn't have it. Jesus knew all these Scriptures. and That He was teaching with authority, but He was never trained. As far as they know, there was no way that He probably even had seen any of Scripture, seen any scrolls. They were looking at this like, how does this guy know this stuff? I didn't train him. Bob, did you train him? No. How does he know this stuff? Because they were probably sitting there thinking, in their estimation, he's not well studied. So he doesn't even have a copy of this. Where did he see all these things? How does he know these things? And again, they were astonished. And that's something I want you to really think about. How, just how privileged we are. And again, we look at how we see numerous times that Jesus was teaching in the temple. And when they say this guy's not trained, how does he know this stuff? That was it. Because he never, in their estimation, probably never even really saw these scrolls. So how could he know it to teach on it? Now we're going to get more into this next week. But to be fair, it's, we'll just glimpse through this real quick. It's not that complicated. It's not that much of a stretch as to why Jesus can do that. Because uh, plain and simple, the author knows his work. The author of life was speaking. The creator of all things is teaching. The power and the authority that Jesus is showing is just simply unfathomable. It's amazing. He just is. So, they know that something's different, that Jesus is not just another man. And many, if not all of us up of all of us here today, uh, we've encountered Jesus too. We've encountered Jesus too. And when you did, or if not when you do, you will never be the same. Whether it's for good or for bad, you will never be the same. You will either bow down to the Lord of Lords, or you will rebel against Him all the more. Plain and simple. You will reject His Word and hate what He stands for if you don't bow down. That's it. Because we'll see Jesus and we'll want it or we'll hate it. That's it. But you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. You'll either bow or you'll rebel. Some will even say that they're Christians, yet say that the Bible's wrong in part or in whole. Some will go from being a terrible person, a killer, a murderer, a drug dealer, a prostitute, anything. And Jesus can save that person. But again, the people on the other side will say, well, you're just a hypocrite. I know you. 
don't have to raise your hands, but think about this one. How many of you who actually know Jesus has had somebody say to you, you don't get to talk to me about this Jesus stuff because I know who you used to be. I've had that one. I'm like, I know. You used the right words. You said used to be. And they're like, wow, shut up. Yeah, they don't like that. They don't like when I have answers. Have them because it's fun to get people upset with you sometimes. <laughs> because they get so frustrated, and then they just start to make fun of you because they can't attack your position no more. They have to make fun of you. Yeah, well, you have big ears. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, when you encounter Jesus, you will never be the same. You will push back or you will bow down one way or the other. So it just was. Wrap it up, right? That talked long enough. Which group are you in? Which group are you in? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Him as Scripture reveals Him? Or are you still in rebellion? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one way. No matter what anybody on the face of this earth says, there is only one way. There's only one way to life. There's only one way to salvation, to forgiveness. To be reconciled with God, and that is through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To know Him and to trust Him and to submit to Him. We don't like that word, but that's it. To submit and trust and obey Jesus Christ. And to submit and trust to Him is to have real and true life. So I'll just close with saying this. If the Holy Spirit's moving right now in your life, if He's convicting you, Man, now's the time. We're not promised tomorrow. We do not know what the future brings. Plain and simple. The fact that God woke you up today and He put your feet on the floor and you took a breath was a blessing. Nobody in this room or nobody that can hear my voice has that promise for tomorrow. Not one of you. Not me, not any of us. Don't wait any longer. Don't put it off. Even if you just have questions, we're here. In just a couple minutes, we're going to have a time where you can come up and pray with us. We're going to have two deacons up here too. We're going to have Johnny. We're going to have Steve come up here. They can answer some lot of questions. Okay, Talk to them. Pray with them. This is important. It's literally life and death, whether you know Jesus, the one that's revealed in this or not. So I'll just finish in saying this. Trust the Lord and Savior and King Jesus. Trust in His timing. Trust in His will for your life. And trust in His salvation. Father, again, we thank You for everything that You do, for who You are. And we thank You, Jesus, that You would come and die for us and take our place on the cross. That we would take our punishment. Lord, it was ours. We know we deserved it. But thanks be to You, Lord Jesus, that we didn't have to endure it. Because You took that for us. While we were still sinners, Lord, You died for us. Lord, I pray that You'll forgive us when we fall short. Lord, You'll forgive us when we sin and rebel. Help us to repent of those things and draw us closer to You. Lord, so that we can worship You and praise You all the more. Again, Lord, thank you for all that you do, for who you are. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray these things in Christ's name.
Amen.